the Dawn of the Dead podcast is now part of the Morbidly Beautiful podcast network. So please check out the website and also all the other great podcasts that are associated with this network. On to the show. Well, hello again, and welcome back to another episode. Thank you for joining me once again. And I brought on this episode, um, I think I'm going to just let you know, I'm going to be reviewing Creepshow 2, the 1987 film. And, you know, September is here. Um, October, you know, spooky month is almost here. Well, it's always spooky month in my head, but you know, for us horror junkies, the entire month of September is Halloween Eve. So we get a little bit more nutty in the whole month of October, but like, I'm one of those people I watch horror movies year round. Like I don't just pigeonhole it to October. It is a year round obsession (laughs) for yours truly. And um, around this time last year, I think at the beginning of October, I kind of reviewed um, some horror anthologies. Trick or Treat was one, and then the original Creep Show, um, that was one that I reviewed, and I had a lot of fun doing it. So I thought, well, since you know it's almost getting that time, why not talk about Creep Show too? And I gotta say, it's a good sequel <laughs> in this franchise. And no, I'm not going to fucking review Creepshow 3. That movie haunts me to this day. I will never watch that again. You can watch it if you want. Um, I am toying with the idea of possibly doing a weekly recap of the Creepshow anthology TV series that Shudder has been running. Because the new season is coming back and as I always like to say, I'm kind of frothing and a foaming for that to come back because the shorts on the anthology series were really outstanding and creative. And I may, you know, like I said, I'm toying. I might. Emphasis all caps the word might. I might try to do an additional episode per week, breaking down those episodes on the Creep Show anthology show. But don't hold me to it. Because, you know, work and life gets busy. And I'm one of those people, if I can make one episode come out every other week, I'm doing good. Uh, October, I tend to get a little crazy. And I really do kind of go week by week in October. But that might be something to look forward to. I may start breaking down the episodes of the Creep Show anthology series on Shudder. Just because I haven't. Haven't had a show breakdown since The Last of Us, so getting a little antsy, feeling like I need a little bit of creepy creepiness in my life. Not to be punny. Normally I am very, very fucking punny, but <laughs> this time I'm, I'm just, it was by accident. So let me just break this one down. So Creep Show 2, I have fun with it. And uh, this was one I went and saw 
in the theaters with my mother, just like the first one. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think she enjoyed it as much at the time. And now that I'm going back and I'm watching it, you know, I recently had a rewatch. It's good, but it's not as good as the original. One of the things I really didn't like about this, this movie is that there were very few segments. You know, the original Creep Show had five stories. And uh, then we also had the, the bookend with uh, the young boy and his father. Um, played by my secret boyfriend, Tom Atkins. Oh my goodness. Um, and I'll try to tuck back my lady crushes as, as much as I possibly can. I don't see how I will, but this one isn't bad, but it only has three. So right there, you know, I, I'm going in with less bang for my buck and the stories are good. I will let you know the ones that I think are the strongest and the one that I wish had never seen the light of day, but I will get to that one when I get to it. Uh, the other thing I want to say about this one is that instead of the bookend story that we had with the young boy and uh, his father and, you know, the whole comic book dealy where he gets signs off for the, uh, the voodoo doll would take out his dad or whatever. This one is a little different because we get an animated sequence at the very beginning of the film, which I didn't mind because it was like reading a comic book. And that story, instead of being a wraparound, it's just kind of in between the segments and we get little slices of those. So that was a little interesting. Uh, this one also has The Creep. And The Creep is played by Tom Savini. I will say... Um, I have a, a slight issue with the animated creep that we see. And uh, <laughs> the reason I have a problem with it is that when I see the animated creep that's doing all of the narrating, he has noticeable testicles for chins. You know, if you've ever seen Men in Black 2, they make a joke about a bald chinian. I cannot look at this animated creep I'm sorry, y'all. I really do try not to giggle. But sometimes when I think about these things, I'm just like, what the fuck were you thinking? So he looks like he has two giant nut sacks on his face. So that kind of turns me a, a certain kind of way. I find myself not being scared, but being, you know, like, what the fuck am I looking at? But however, I digress, as I always do. It's still a pretty solid horror anthology. Like I said, it, they're really strong ones in this one. Um, only one of them has uh, was an actual Stephen King story, and the other two were created for the sole purpose of the movie. And it doesn't detract from how the movie moves and, you know, the pacing. But for me, you know, I just, I, I'll let you know the ones I like, and I'll just go ahead and start breaking them down. And you can tell me how you feel, and maybe I'm wrong, but once again, as I would say, it's my humble horror nerd opinion. Now, this came out in 87, like I stated. Currently is streaming on my boyfriend Tubi, and I think it's also streaming on Pluto TV. You know, you can find it anywhere if you really want to watch it. And I'm fully going to be spoiling the fuck out of this. So, you know, if you're scared or if you haven't seen it, <laughs> if you're scared of spoilers or you have not seen it, you know, cut this mofo off go watch it. And then, you know, whenever you watch it, then come back to this one if you don't want to have anything ruined for you. 
So three segments, right? And we're starting out with this little boy um, who's going to pick up some a package from the post office and he gets it and he's super excited. And, you know, we have no idea why this kid's super excited, but he is. And, you know, we see him pedaling through town and he's got his package and he's on his way home and he's reading his little creep show comic book and all is right with the world. And we see um, further down the line, he's going to run into some trouble. But then our story kind of goes into the very first segment, which is the one titled Old Chief Woodenhead. Now, I'm just going to put it out here. There is uh, an, an elderly couple. They're running a mom and pop type, I guess, hardware slash convenience store, you know, in this town. And they're not making any money. You know, his wife wants him to get the hell out of Dodge. And she's like, well, no, I don't want to leave. I just want you to quit. You know, you don't get paid. These people take from you and they don't give you any money and they don't give you any payment. And, you know, as she is mouthing off all of this shit, he's outside repairing very lovingly, I might add, the uh, war paint to an old uh, wooden Indian statue that they have out, a Native American statue that they have in front of their store. And, you know, one thing I will say, the special effects for the the chief wooden head, really outstanding. I mean, he looks like he is made out of wood. Every now and then when you're watching, you can catch little glimpses of the actor that's uh, underneath this makeup, breathing or moving slightly. And I thought, man, he doesn't know how to stay still. And that was when I was younger. Now that I'm older, I can see that, you know, maybe we were supposed to see that, you know, he was the spirit and he had these subtle movements. It could have just been a, a goof or an era, but it does add a, a lot of really kind of cool creepiness to it, you know? And he has so much love and respect for this, the statue He's out there putting on his war paint, you know, he's talking to him and clearly, you know, he respects the Native Americans that are in this this town that he lives in. And his wife is just kind of fed up and she just wants to go. And he loves what he does. He loves, you know, being able to give people supplies. And lo and behold, after his wife has just got through kind of lambasting, you know, the people the very people in the town who haven't been paying him, we see an elderly uh, Native American gentleman who comes in and basically, you know, wants to give him all of the treasures that each of the tribes have given him, you know, something that's valuable to kind of make up for the debt that they owe. And, you know, he tells him, if you, if we don't pay you back within two autumns, you can keep all of this jewelry. And it's like really expensive turquoise and silver pieces. And, you know, it's it's definitely worth a lot of money. And at first he's like, oh, I don't want to take it. And then the Native American gentleman, he, he says, um, well, if you take it, then, you know, I'm not a beggar. But if you give it back to me, then we're beggars. And, you know, I can't have pride like that. So, you know, hold on to it. So he 
says he's going to hold on to it. And his wife realizes that she was a complete douchebag. And, <laughs> you know, she was bad mouthing people who really wanted to pay. They just didn't have the money at the time. And everybody needs somebody like that in their life who's going to look up for the little guy. Hey, I know you don't really have enough, but here, let me give you this, you know? And um, I remember reading a really cool story about a woman who had, I guess, a bunch of kids and uh, her neighbors would, you know, sometimes give her groceries under the pretense that they had too much. It wasn't, you know, to shame her or belittle her. It's just that they knew her pride would get in the way of her taking it. So they would be like, oh, you know what? I got too much bread. Can you take some of this off my hand? Because it might go bad. You know, you you need that person who sees that that good in you and who's going to give you a helping hand. And, and that's what uh, Ray Spruce is the gentleman um, that runs the shop. That's what Ray was. And his wife, Martha, was kind of like, mm, I don't know about all that. But then when she saw the gesture, she immediately changed her mind and her way of thinking. Doesn't hurt that I, I completely fucked up and didn't say <laughs> George Kennedy is the older gentleman. Um, and like right after Creepshow, I think he started being in those Naked Gun movies with Leslie Nielsen, who was ironically in the first Creepshow film. Um, in the segment, there's something to tide you over. And then his wife is played by Dorothy L'Amour, who, if you do not know Dorothy L'Amour, please go and educate yourself. Like old school Hollywood, babe. You look at the older pictures of her when she was in film. My God, that woman was a drop dead goddess. So um, smoky bedroom eyes. You, you just got to educate yourself and go check her out. But just as they're leaving, um, the Native American chief, you know, he goes out and he gives kind of, you know, like proper uh, greeting to the chief Woodenhead outside, you know, and for me, when I was in the theater, I saw him kind of do a little bow or a turn. And I think this, uh, this chief saw that too. And, you know, respect was given. And so the chief goes on his merry way and the couple goes back inside and lo and behold is the Native Americans. I don't know whether he was supposed to be his son or grandson. And his name is Sam White Moon. I shit you not. And he's played by Hope McCallany. I can't remember how you say his name. He played Agent Tench, Bill Tench on uh, the Netflix show, Mine hunters. Um, this is a white guy, just kind of dusted with cocoa powder and a bad wig. And I love this actor. Must have been a very first role out the gate because he's super young, he's super buff. The wig is atrocious. Clearly, they just dusted this man with cocoa powder, or he was in a tanning bed for a couple of days. So I'm going to overlook it. I'm going <laughs> to. I'm going to do my fucking best to overlook it because it was the 80s. I'm not saying because it was the 80s it was acceptable. It was acceptable for the time. It wasn't acceptable for the time, but it was a little different. I'm not saying it was good before anybody asks me, but it's atrocious to watch it now because, you know, it's like clearly there were Native American actors. You, The chief was a Native American actor. You could have gone a little further to actually find someone who was a Native American, but once again, this is a horror movie. I'm not going to get into the whole politics of it. 
It's not what not, not what I'm about. I just I want to just talk about it and have fun, but I will grouse about the fact that it's very painfully obvious that this is a very white person just kind of slathered in some bronzer. But <laughs> moving on. Uh, so Sam is in, in the uh, convenience store. He's come in through the back and as most cowards do. And he and his cohorts of, of friends, you know, with Stephen King, there's always that trope. You have one mean bully. You got one fat bully, which you would assume, well, you're fat. Why are you letting, why are you going along with this shit? And then you've got, you know, one regular regular normal guy who probably has some money it seems to be the trope <laughs> most of the bad guys they got a one fat guy there's one you know guy who has no spine and then there's the bully that they all go along with so uh sam white moon is that bully uh then we have the two other gentlemen who are in this and one of them is a rich kid one of them is a fat kid and they're in there ransacking the store and they're basically wanting all of the money and basically it's a hold up. And Sam, because he's a Native American, not really, he is going on about how they're gonna be leaving to go to LA and he's gonna be a star because he has been growing his hair for nine years. Not a long fucking time, buddy, but he's been growing his hair for nine years. And when they get a look at him in L.A., his hair is going to get him, what is it, paid and laid or laid and paid? I forgot how it went. But, yeah, he really thinks he's just going to go to L.A. and be a star. And I thought, sir, no, no, sir, you're not even good looking for 80s standards as far as movies go. But whatever, that's his fantasy that they're going to leave this town. They're going to kick rocks, pick up and go. So they're getting supplies, they're stealing, but he also knows that his grandfather, I think it was his grandfather, brought the the tribes, uh, turquoise and all of the jewelry. And the guys are the other guys are like, well, there's nothing here, you know, there, there's no money here. And he tells her to go get her purse and basically saying how in that bag there's ten thousand dollars worth of jewelry. And he's not leaving until he takes the bag. And so Things are starting to get real heated. You know, he goes and for whatever reason, there's a photo booth in the store and he goes and takes a, a picture of him. And, you know, he's so vain of his hair and wants to know from uh, poor Martha, you know, isn't he a, a good looking man? And, you know, all of this stuff and makes no goddamn sense. But they, you know, load up the car. He tells the rich guy to bring the car around. And I'm thinking, okay, in the theater, I'm thinking, okay, they're just going to rob these people and he's going to have to explain that, you know, his grandson or son took the jewelry. No, uh, you know, an accident happens and Martha gets shot and then her husband, Ray, gets shot. And Sam White Moon has no remorse whatsoever that he's just completely obliterated these two elderly people who didn't do a goddamn thing to him. Uh, his friends are, you know, shocked. Uh, I think the fat gentleman, the larger gentleman, I think he, you know, vomits because he did not expect to kill anybody. He was expecting them to rob them and then leave town. And they get in the car. 
they haul ass and he, you know, Sam proceeds to say he can't wait to leave this town, you know, no more, you know, no more this, no more that. And then he's shooting off, you know, his gun into the store and then he fires off around into the wooden statue and leaves, you know, he does a little bit of howling and then he leaves and I'm just like, wow, you are the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. How can you do this to two elderly people that didn't have fuck all in that shop? I mean, that was their livelihood. They didn't bother anybody. They weren't hurting anybody. And you just, in your own vain moment, took out two people that, you know, probably wouldn't have heard a fly. So... This this segment was great. And uh, as we go on, you know, he basically is in the car and he tells the rich kid that they're leaving tonight. They're not leaving, you know, a week from today or whenever their, you know, date of actual hauling ass was. They're leaving tonight because, you know, they murdered two people. He got to get the hell out of Dodge. Why these other two people go along with him, I do not know. Um, lack of spine, I guess, or like a brain and spine, but they go their separate ways. They drop the uh, larger guy home and uh, drop Sam off and the rich guy goes home and he tells them to go home and pack and that they'll pick uh, to come pick him up first and then they'll stop by to pick up their friend. And so uh, the larger gentleman, he actually is at his house you know, because he's a big guy. Of course, he's sitting there, you know, eating sandwiches and he's watching, I think, the Cisco kid and, you know, kind of laughing at it and whatever, whatever. Uh, then he's eating, you know, and out of nowhere, we see a silhouette of the statue. Oh, I skipped. I went ahead went went too far. So after he did the howling and got into his rich friend's car, uh, the statue, Chief Woodenhead, begins to move. He actually starts to move. And this is where the special effects blew me away. The makeup on this character, it really looks like wood, like all of the textures and just just the way the grain of it looks. Um, you know, it's really outstanding. And so the statue has now come to life because he is going to avenge these people who have been slaughtered in the store. And uh, when he shot at the statue uh, paint can that Ray was using ended up spilling over and he, uh, Chief Woodenhead dips his fingers into the paint and puts finishes putting on his war paint that was being um, touched up earlier. And then he also emits a howl. So this now animated statue is coming to, you know, give them some justice, which I was really shocked when I saw it the first time. It was quite interesting. Um, like I said, now that I'm older, I see a lot of movement in that in that actor that I didn't notice when I watched it in theaters as a teen, but it's still really fucking awesome. Like, you know, the movements, the sounds, uh, like I said, it looks very, the texture looks real. It looks like real wood. 
uh, it was an outstanding job on the makeup effects for that. So backtracking <laughs> to the the larger gentleman, and I wish I could remember his name, let me see. I mean, they called him Fatso, so I don't know if I want to really say Fatso, but uh, yeah, for lack of a better term, I guess he's just going to be Fatso for now. So Fatso's eating, like I stated before I had to go backtracking, and we see a silhouette of the I almost started to go into a Queen song. I see a little silhouette. No, sorry. So we see the silhouette of uh, Chief Wittenhead. And then he's sitting there watching the Cisco kid. And all of a sudden you see, you hear the arrow sound and you see the arrow kind of protruding out of his stomach. And then you hear another arrow sound and you see another arrow protruding. And then you hear another arrow and it's sticking out of his head. Now, the only issue I have with that third arrow is that when they show it, he's wearing a baseball cap and the arrow is sticking out through the top of the cap, but it's too high to actually be in his scalp unless he has one of the longest tops of the, his head, <laughs> that I've, tops of the head that I've ever seen. That It just, it doesn't make sense. Like it would be a little bit more in his forehead and not the, in his cap. But I'll let it go. Once again, this is a horror movie and I'm enjoying the fuck out of it because he's getting his just due. Side note, David Holbrook is the uh, gentleman who plays Fatso and his dad is actually Hal Holbrook, who was in the, uh, he was the guy that actually had the terrible wife played by Adrian Barbeau. And I did not know that until I recently went back and watched this. I was like, I had no idea that was his fucking son. So Fatso's gone. He's 86, okay? So now Chief Woodenhead is moving on to the next person. And we see, um, I think his name was Kavanaugh. We see him going to, you know, he's packing up his shit and this kid is loaded. Like clearly his house is, you know, immaculate. It's like a little small mini mansion and he's packing up his shit, going into the garage to go ahead and get ready to make his escape. And his parents are watching the same Cisco kid show completely oblivious that this guy is tiptoeing out his fucking house and he makes it to the garage. He makes it to the garage. <laughs> That's all I want to say about that. He makes it to the garage and then we see another silhouette of Chief Woodenhead and then we see blood splatter in the garage and then we also see a silhouette of Chief Woodenhead putting the garage door down. Um, I have a problem with it because we see a, a lot of the violence is off screen. And I guess, I don't know, they, it wasn't PG-13. I mean, this is a rated R horror anthology. So I'm a little curious as to why they did kind of like a sci-fi channel, you know, cuts editing for this. So the last one, obviously it's Sam, right? He has to get his just due because he's a piece of shit. And he's in his house. He's waiting for, you know, the Richie to pick him up. And then he's sitting there and he's doing something. I don't remember that he was looking in the mirror. I think that's what he was doing because he was always preening. And gets a glimpse of Chief Woodenhead who throws, I guess, his tomahawk at him, shatters the mirror. He turns around. He's got a gun. Chief is waiting. He's got another, you know, axe or knife or something. And he starts blasting at him. And I 
could not tell you how excited I was to see that there was one, no blood squib because he's a statue. So we don't need to see that, but we do see the little splinterings that are uh, on him. Instead of the blood squibs, we get the wood splinters, which was too fucking nice. We also get to see that this guy is not only a piece of shit, but he's a cowardly piece of shit because he's trying to get the fuck out of Dodge. So he runs in the bathroom, shatters a mirror, or shatters a window. Sorry, guys. Shatters a window and tries to make his escape. But the chief is like, oh, no, fucko. You are definitely getting yours because you have just shamed the fuck out of Native Americans. And I am taking your fucking ass out. Absolutely love that shit. And grabbed him by that bullshit hair that he was, oh, oh, this hair is going to get me laid and paid. That hair is what got you caught up, you dumb fuck. <laughs> it's plain and simple. Cut your fucking hair. So Chief grabs him by that little silky ass hair, pulls him through a hole that he has now made in the wall, and we see his arm come down with, I'm assuming, the tomahawk or a knife, and then it cuts. Why are we cutting so much? I want to see the carnage and the gristleage, but whatever, I'm good. Very next day, his grandfather, father, I don't know which one, wakes up and the roll of jewelry is right next to him in the bedroll. He goes over to the store, sees Chief Woodenhead with the hair in his hand, and he gives him another little bit of respect because he knows what went down and he's fine with that shit. And so was I, frankly. Outstanding first segment of this movie. Absolutely loved it from beginning to end. Wish I could have seen more gore. That's my only kind of, I guess, nitpicky thing about it that in the the arrow wouldn't be in that boy's head that way but that's okay so the very next segment that we go into is the raft and that is one of my favorite ones in this horror anthology film but before we get to that we get another glimpse of the little kid that was riding to the town this is when he actually goes and he picks up his package from the post office and he's kind of talking to the gentleman um, that runs the post office and seeing how he got a Venus flytrap and he likes them because they eat meat, you know, and he sent off for these seedlings and he's super excited going on and on about it. Going on to the next segment, the raft, we have uh, four allegedly <laughs> college age kids and they are going to some remote place to swim. Um, and as the usual, we have the little, uh, I guess, stoner type jock. I guess he was a hybrid. He wasn't just a jock. He was like a stoner jock. And then we have his little nerdy friend. And then we have, you know, obviously the more uh, curvy, bodacious babe and one kind of mousy babe. And the four of them are going to a raft, um, a swimming hole that has like a, a raft that they can go and kind of hang out. And this is always the old story. It's so they can go out there and try to hook up with these chicks. Okay. I'm a little tired of that trope. I mean, I guess it's a necessary one, but you can go a lot of other places if you really wanted to hook up with somebody. Uh, I don't know. That that seems too seems like too much work for me. Like why do I have to go to a remote place to hook up with somebody? 
are you afraid that somebody might kill you or that they might be killing you and these people go willingly my mind goes to these places y'all i i can't help it but just wanted to say a side note about this one before i start talking about it so the mousy chick uh who is in this her name i believe is maybe rachel rachel she's played by daryl hannah's sister Paige. and when i see her in this movie i always think of sissy spacek she looks a lot like her she has a very delicate doll porcelain features and uh there is a gentleman in here i believe he played randy who was i guess supposed to be our protagonist in this in this short i didn't really like any of the people in this i would never hang out with these people <laughs> they just all seem kind of like they didn't make any sense i would never see these group of people hanging out together but uh the young gentleman randy um when they they get to this way okay so they're driving i'm gonna just go into it they're driving and it's an awfully long drive and they're going to this kind of like isolated place so that they could swim. And yes, once again, so they could hook up with these ladies and they get there and there's a raft in the middle of the water. There are no other cars there, no other people there. Right there, that's a dick giveaway. I'm not fucking staying. No cars, no people, barely any animals or wildlife. That kind of gives me a clue that something's not right, but these people, once again, have been smoking all the way up there and they don't give a shit. They're horny. Um, and sometimes horny is, you know, has that override switch that you just, logic makes no sense. You just, you got to drive somewhere else and your mind is focused. I don't, I don't know. I, sometimes when I watch these movies, I'm just like, really though? Really? This is really, you're doing this? Okay. Let's, let's go ahead. And I guess that's why I enjoy watching these movies because I know I would never make such an absurd choice. <laughs> I'd like to think so. I'm sure if I had a time machine and went back and saw what Donna was doing in her 20s, I'd probably cringe in a corner somewhere. But that's everybody, I'm sure. We have all done something that, you know, we look back on and go, how did I not end up on like, you know, the FBI missing <laughs> website? <laughs> Sorry, y'all. So uh, Randy, who um, was the dumbass who told them about this location, he jumps into the water. Well, a little trivia about that is the guy that's playing Randy, um, can't remember what his, the actor's name, he actually caught, uh, what is it, hypothermia? He, he actually almost died going into the water. He got sick. And I thought, shit. Can you imagine that's how you go out? Like you're making Creep Show 2. Not Creep Show. The sea. <laughs> so you're making Creep Show 2. You get hypothermia, you die. And then that's that's what you're known for. He died while making Creep Show 2. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know if I want that to be on my on my tombstone. But anyway, these these gang of uh people go out here on this in this water that has nothing going on, nobody out there, no wildlife, no signs of wildlife. And they're swimming out to this raft. And I'm always trying to figure out what was the end game. So were they gonna, the four of them were gonna go out on the raft and then they were just gonna do it in front of each other or were they gonna swim back and two of them were gonna make out in the car and two of them were gonna make out in the, I don't know. I need to know the dynamic or how this was gonna work. I, I just need to know what was the plan, sir? Um, 
However, they, they see the raft and they start swimming towards it. And Randy starts noticing that there's this kind of slick ooze tar looking substance in the water. And then he also sees that there was a bird or something trapped in it trying to get out. And he starts yelling at the girls who are swimming much slower than he and uh, the other gentleman who I can't remember what his little jock name was. Um, he's telling them to hurry up and get there, hurry, hurry. And this kind of tar-like substance is moving out to where they are now. It is now gliding and getting in the water to get where they are. So he gets one girl out the water and he tells the other girl who has the bodacious tatas to get there quickly, hurry up, swim, swim, you know, and he's freaking everybody out. They don't know what the hell's going on. And so she gets there finally and they pull her up. Just as they pull her up, this black tar substance is now right next to them on the raft. They don't know what it is. They have no idea. And he's like, well, this thing started coming as soon as we got here. It's pretty, pretty apparent that something's wrong. And he's like, I think I saw, you know, a bird or something stuck in it. I don't know what that is. And then his friend is like, <laughs> you always have that one person that's trying to rationalize it. Oh man, it's just an oil slick. Yeah, man, when have you seen a perfectly round oil slick? Oil slicks are all over in different shapes in the water. They don't make a perfect circle when, and they certainly don't come your way when you're, you know, on a, a raft. And then it's uh, apparent that something is really, really wrong. But, you know, his friend who's the jock and the really bodacious babe, they're trying to warm up because they're freezing after getting out the water. They're lighting up a joint as they are wont to do. And I'm just one of those people. I would want to have all of my fucking faculties working if I feel like some shit is off. I don't necessarily know if I'd want to be smoking. But then again, these people are thinking it's just oil. It's not anything that they have to worry about. Uh, Randy himself is a little bit more like, okay, well, this is really fucked. Um, something is wrong here. And they're sitting there trying to figure some things out, or at least Randy is. Randy's the only one that's thinking at this point. And the little mousy girl, Rachel, she sits on the edge and she gets to the joint and she's smoking and she's kind of looking into this kind of gelatinous mass in the water and decides for some reason to kind of put her hand out, you know, almost like she's going to touch it. And then this tar-like substance grabs onto her arm. And I love the effect in this one because when it grabs onto her arm, you can see it does look like kind of an oil tar slick, but then it's also kind of dissolved part of her arm. So it's like her arm is almost see-through from where it grabbed her. And then it pulls her in and you hear the splash. The guy and the other girl, they're they're over there, you know, making out and rubbing on each other and shit. And Randy is horrified. He's freaked out. Noticeably, he should be. And then we see Rachel kind of come up and she's like, it hurts. And then she goes under and then she comes up again. It hurts. Help me. You know, and I'm like, holy fucking shit, dude. 
y'all got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, you, where, what are you doing? Y'all went someplace. Nobody knows you're there. You're miles away from, or not miles, but you're a good distance away from the fucking car now. And this thing is eating people. Like, it just devoured this girl in a matter of minutes. My horror brain would be like, all right, she's gone. I'm about to go and jump in this water while it's still eating her. Because <laughs> you eating now, buddy. I'm going to go ahead and bail out while you got a little feast going. And I would have left them other two because no. So they see this girl, nothing they can do for her. And they're freaked out. His friend, the jock, is like, I'm going to go swim for it. And he's like, I'll go swim for it and I'll, I'll bring back help. And the guy's like, no, you can't, you're not going to make it. You know, it, it's too fast. It came here when we came here. So if you go into the water, it's going to get you. He's like, no, nah, I, I can beat it. Next thing we know, while he's saying that, the black tar ooze has grabbed him from between the slats and is pulling him down. And it's a really cool scene because at first you don't know what the fuck's going on. And then you see all of the goo all over him. And then you hear a snap because it has made a hole where it is pulling him down in the raft. And this man's leg is, his foot is in his face. That's how high, I mean, he's just snapped this dude like a Slim Jim. It was totally gross. The sound, the effects, I was there for all of it. Absolutely love that. So he's gone. He's a goner. That boy is out of here. And the only people left are the hottie and Randy. Now, you guys got to stop thinking with the little head. You got to stop thinking with the big head. But he's basically holding her because she doesn't want to be on the ground. She's worried. She's afraid. I, I totally get it. He tells her to stand on the actual planks of wood, not on the cracks. That way he can't get her. But the way that thing was pulsating at the bottom, it definitely could have gotten either one of them. I think it was just playing with them at that point or, you know, trying to digest the old boy that he just ate. So then as the evening progresses and it's starting to get darker and darker, they're tired and they say they're going to do, uh, they're going to take shifts. He's going to sleep. And then when it's his shift, you know, she has to watch and then she can sleep and he'll watch. And she's like, promise you won't let it get me. He's like, I won't let it get you. And then in the morning he wakes up, she's asleep. And this dude with his little head decides he is going to molest this woman while she's sleeping. This is not the time, bro. This is, this is the worst fucking time for you to try to make a play. And, you know, we get a, a nice shot of some perky, perky boobs. I mean, it's cold and shit. But, bro, you pick the worst time to be a creep. And then we see her turn her head and the goo has now affixed to her because she was laying across where the slats could get her. And then it starts dragging her off the raft. And at this point, he knows he's a goner. So he takes that opportunity to dive into the water, swim like fucking hell, and make it all the way there. And it's tight. I mean, this is like a Olympic level, you know, live or die type shit. This boy actually got to the shore. He made it to the end. All he has to do now is get into the fucking car and leave. And what does this motherfucker do? 
what does this motherfucker do? He sits on the very fucking edge going, I beat you. And then he turns and of course the now gelatinous mass has created a wave because he's close enough that the motherfucker can get him. Dumbest goddamn thing I've ever seen in my life. I was so angry. One of the most intense stories I've ever read in his Stephen King short story collections. And why? Why, sir, did you stop there? Even if that fucking battery had died, my ass would have been on the road running at that point. Like, wild horses couldn't have kept me. I would have been gone. That ooze would have had to catch my ass down the street. That's all I'm saying. Catch me on the street because that's where I'm (laughs) going to be staying here. I'm not even going to get in the car and hope that it starts because at that point, it could if it can come up on land like that, it could come up to the car. So no, I'm going to keep going, period, till I find civilization or something that can kill you with fucking fire. That's all I'm going to say about that. It's maddening. It's a good segment. I wish I I wish I could like it more. I think I think it's the strongest out of the 3. And I probably would have put put these segments in a different order. Um, the last segment that I'm going to be talking about, I would actually put that one first because I feel the last segment is the weakest segment. Y'all can come at me if you want. I don't know how you feel about it, but the last segment for me is is not, it's just not that strong. Like I feel like it's very lackluster and maybe it's because of the the theme of it, it just didn't do anything for me. And I think because they didn't have, they only had like one rich asshole, uh, the Kavanaugh kid that was in the first segment. Um, maybe they just wanted to have another rich asshole to kind of, you know, tie in the whole creep show theme from the first movie. I didn't really care for the last segment and I'm going to go into that in one second. So the last segment is called The Hitchhiker. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it because I'll be honest with you. This one was not my favorite. This one, you know, if it wasn't in it, I would have been perfectly fine. They could have substituted any other Stephen King story. From what I understand, there were two other stories that were supposed to be in this film. One was the black cat that ended up being in Tales from the Dark Side, um, that film, that anthology film. And then another was a different uh, Stephen King story about a uh, a bunch of ghosts in a bowling alley. And I would have preferred that, quite honestly, over The Hitchhiker. Because first of all, the premise is she's a rich woman who, you know, is having an affair or, you know, seeing a weekly gigolo. And then she's late getting home because of this guy's uh, non-working clock and proceeds to go home in a very hasty fashion. Well, I don't really give a shit. I mean, she's rich and she's got a gigolo. Why do I care? Um, this was quite honestly the most boring segment for me. The only saving grace and Hail Mary in this was the special effects for the hitchhiker. So this woman is running home, running late. She's got to get home before her husband, you know, I guess she told him she was going to be at some rich lady soiree or some bullshit. And she hits a black man that is hitchhiking and instead of calling the cops, which she obviously can't do because she's someplace that she's not supposed to be. She sees that another car is coming in a different direction. She cuts off her lights and she speeds off, hoping that they can't identify or see her. And a gentleman passes and sees the gentleman that she struck. And he did a decent thing. He gets back in his car 
uses his car phone to call the police and say, hey, someone has just hit this gentleman, you know, send the cops. And I thought, damn, that is some decent shit. And then another car comes along and they also stop. And then Stephen King makes his cameo as a truck driver. And, you know, he's like, what happened? And he's like, somebody did a hit and run. And he's like, yeah, somebody just drove past me, but I couldn't see him. And, uh, you know, he's doing like a truck, uh, like a yokel truck driver thing. And from there, you know, it's like she's talking to herself about how she can explain the damage on her car and how she can get it fixed. And at that point, I had lost interest. I was just like, I really don't give a shit because you're a terrible person. You just, you mowed this man down and then you proceeded to drive home like nothing happened. Um, so we get a lot of Looney Tune, <laughs> I always say horror Looney Tune-esque action because uh, as she's driving, uh, you know, she keeps seeing this hitchhiker that she's hit. And each time he is more uh, gruesome and grisly and, you know, just falling apart and blood everywhere. And he's on the hood of her car and he's on uh, the sunroof kind of dripping down and, you know, she's shooting at him and, you know, he's already dead. Um, and he keeps saying, thanks for the ride, lady. Thanks for the ride, lady. And then as his vocal cords and his mouth gets more mangled and disgusting. He's like, thanks for the ride, lady. You know, it's real gurgled from all the blood. And, you know, she does all of these harrowing things to kind of shake him off the car, but he keeps coming back. And then she sees him one last time and she uh, kicks him out the car, backs over him, runs over him, backs over, runs over, backs over, you know, and by the time she gets to her real posh house, you know, that car looks like it's been just run over by a semi. It's all fallen apart and it's covered in blood. And she gets in her garage and then you hear him say one more time, thanks for the ride lady and proceeds to choke this woman out and him decaying and deteriorating and just, you know, having the after effects of being raw hamburger is really gross that's the only thing that i really like about this segment the effects are so great and then of course her husband comes in and he finds her behind the wheel with the hitchhiker's sign and her dead of course i didn't care for the hitchhiker at all and that was the segment i would if i did this in the order i like i would have done the hitchhiker first then the raft, then old Chief Woodenhead. And I would have made that one way more graphic. The Chief Woodenhead would be a lot more bloody. But overall, this is a solid sequel to the Creepshow franchise. I mean, I have fond memories of it because I went to see this with my mom and those movies always kind of stick with me a little longer. Um, but not my favorite at all by a mile, um, that segment. The other two are great. Now, Having wrapped this up, going back to the little wraparound story, um, our young friend was chased by some bullies. Once again, we have an overset bully who's the one in charge. We have uh, another kind of uh, nerdy character with glasses. And then we have two other friends who are interchangeable. I couldn't tell between either one. And they're chasing this little kid that went to pick up his parcel and they get his package 
not literally, I mean, the one he picked up from the post office, okay, people? They, they take his package, they open it, and there's some seedlings. Uh, the uh, bully, the head bully, smashes the seedling, and then he proceeds to kick him in the dick, which I wish he had kicked him and stomped him in the dick, but that's just me. And then they chase him, and this kid has them going to this remote part of town, and as they get there, there are these giant Venus fly traps who proceed to eat all of these bullies in great fashion. And they save the meanest and biggest bully for last. Uh, I cannot tell you how satisfying it was to watch that. I would have enjoyed seeing just a bunch of animated segments. I don't know why they didn't try to do that for the second creep show or why that hasn't been done. Now the creep show series on Shudder, they've had a couple of animated um, episodes, which were outstanding, but it was nice, you know, and then we get the kid being real cheesy at the end, and he's like, giant Venus flytrap, they meet, <laughs> you know, it's like really cheesy, but I really love it, and then we get to end with the creep, um, who's played by Tom Savini, throwing out these creep show comics onto the road, which I thought, sir, that's terrible for the environment. But, you know, he's a creep, so he's not trying to be, you know, environmentally responsible at all in the slightest. I really do love this movie, though, even though I, I kind of groused about a couple of things, especially The Hitchhiker. Man, I don't know, just something about it. It just doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. That's all, I guess. It didn't wow me, but it is still a good segment. If for nothing else, the special effects on, on the gentleman that keeps getting run over and pummeled and <laughs> shot at, it's really disgusting and disturbing and gross. I absolutely love it. It's disgusting. I love it. So that's all I got for Creepshow 2. Um, yeah, I think I might go ahead and start breaking down the Creepshow anthology series that's on Shutter. Maybe I'll make short ones for those. I'll do like little 30 minute episode ones for those. But that's all I got for this one this week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know I sped through it a little quickly, but you know, I think you guys can keep up. And as always, let me know what you think about this episode. Let me know what you think about this podcast. Um, if you have any thoughts on this one, ones that you like or any, any, uh, you know, anything about this episode, um, anything about this film that you like, and let me know what your thoughts are on these segments. I, I really think it would benefit if it had more segments to make it feel more like a comic book, but it's still a good one. I would still fuck with this. I still fuck with this. So I would, I would advise you to fuck with it is basically what I'm saying to you. So as always, I hope you guys are thriving. Um, you know, be patient with me because I, you know, I may do many episodes, so not to overload you, but I may start doing that soon to get ready for spooky month and just hope all is well. I am doing my best every day to keep my, my perky, perky tits up in a cruel and harsh world. So I guess I should just leave you with until next time, just listen out for my voice in the darkness. And I will talk to you then.